0: Hey y'all, Brandon here with the Sports with BJ podcast. Man, I got a confession to make to y'all. I love the feeling and the confidence I have after a fresh new haircut. And for the last two years, I've trusted all my hair and beard needs with Benita Love of B-Love Cuts. Y'all want to do a straight razor finish? She can do that. You want to get your whole face shaven, get that nice classic straight razor finish and smoothness? She can do that too. Hard parts, edge ups, fades. She can do it all. Call her now, 770 906 4230 She does book up fast, so call her, text her right away. Tell her Brandon from the Sports or BJ podcast sent you down. She'll give you $5 off of your next service. And don't forget to check out the details tab of the episode here. Get all of her social media so you can follow her and stay in touch. Hey out there sports fans, welcome to another episode of Sports with BJ. We've got another great episode planned for y'all tonight. Man, we got another UVA journalist in the house. We're going to talk with UVA sports journalist Bennett Collin with the Daily Progress. Now, Ben, I'll bring you in here, man. Appreciate you taking time out to do this.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely.
0: So I know you're a a JMU alumni um, and and their their motto there is knowledge is liberty. Uh, Kind of explain to us what that means to you um, as an alumni and what led you to choose in JMU?
1: Yeah, so I guess first for the the quote there that they they bring out a little bit uh, Kind of just you know, the more you can educate yourself the more you can know sort of frees you up to do things and and sort of uh, Opens up your life a little bit the more you can learn and the idea that learning should sort of be a lifelong pursuit I guess is how I would would say that so for me in high school I didn't look at too, too many colleges, but I saw, I guess as an 18-year-old kid or 17 or whatever, I saw they had good food rankings, they had good dorm <laughs> rankings, and uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> sounds sounds fine. So I took a look at it, and then I toured it, and I, I really loved the spot. And um, I was actually trying to find a school a little bit that was um, maybe not so athletically inclined. Uh, they're actually pretty decent at sports, but when I was looking, I kind of wanted something where I wasn't picking it, you know solely for a big football team or a big basketball team I wanted a place where I thought I would enjoy the experience regardless of sports and I actually kind of got into the sports too and and at that level was pretty easy because there aren't too many people trying to compete really at the student level to, to cover the program so if you just do it and you stay committed you have a crazy amount of opportunity there so it, it worked out really well for me
0: awesome yeah and kind of a uh, you know two worlds collide in here i i too have a passion for uva and jmu my wife attended jmu uh so i can uh, i can also attest and back bend it up their food on campus is pretty phenomenal um that little town right there in harrisonburg even if you step off campus great food great spots uh so awesome so what what was probably your favorite favorite moment from a favorite memory from mr madison's
1: university yeah, that's a good one. So I had some some really cool experiences at the student paper there the Breeze. I covered the 2016 FCS National Championship down in Frisco. Very so nice. that was that was cool. Uh covering those was definitely a fun one. I think that's up there just the, the chances you had to cover some of the sporting events and covering a, an FCS National Champion pretty much that whole season. I think there was a a New Hampshire game we didn't go to hmm. and then like my co-sports editor covered one of the regular season games when I went just as a fan, but other than that, I think I covered pretty much every game. I think he went, he covered the North Dakota state one. They won up in North Dakota state too. Uh, He he covered that when we did like a coin flip, basically I lost out on that one, but um, it was, it was really fun just to be able to cover that level. And, you know, you've got press conferences leading up to the national championship game with Bo Pelini, who was the Youngstown state coach that season. So it's something that, you know, it's pretty cool because growing up as a kid, he was, he was obviously somewhat relevant for Nebraska a little bit, um, and it's kind of falling off. You see what he's doing now with the LSU defense.
0: Yeah. Really falling off. A lot.
1: Maybe go back to making some cat calendars because those are entertaining. <laughs> exactly. No, but yeah, I think that was, that was probably it. It's just covering some of those and yeah. And then also the softball team was pretty good. So I had a chance to cover them a few times. They did some fun things. So I think just yeah. really the main thing was just the, the level of opportunity that, that was, given to me as opposed to some of those other maybe power five schools where you look at the student newspapers and they're just so competitive trying to get those big beats and I found myself covering football for a couple of years so it, it worked out really well.
0: Awesome all right so we mentioned in the open year are uh, the UVA sports reporter for the Daily Progress which is the magazine up there in Charlottesville and the surrounding area all the way down to Richmond. Uh, in your time as a sports reporter at the Daily Progress covering UVA sports what do you think has been the most interesting thing you've seen while
1: covering our news yeah it's it's a good question yeah you sent an outline and I was looking at all the questions like man these are these are good but they're tough yeah Uh, so so going through I've only been uh, at the daily progress for a little over a year so I don't have too too much to pull from but for me you've obviously got the excitement of covering like an orange bowl I thought that was interesting and and everything with Tony Bennett last season Uh, but the main one is I covered a baseball game I think it was on like March 11th right? So it's like kind of the beginning of the pandemic when everything went down. Mm-hmm. It was a Wednesday. So it's the day before uh, UVA's game against Notre Dame or Boston, or whatever. I think it was Notre Dame. Um, and the ACC tournament ended up getting getting canceled. Um, so it was the day before that, right? It's the same night that Rudy Gobert tests positive, but it's during the day and UVA had like a kid's field trip uh, at the baseball game. So <laughs> they bust in like, Upwards of a 1,000 kids, I think it was, to come watch the game, which in hindsight was like, <laughs> you probably don't Not want a good that. idea. Right, you probably don't want the gathering. But Like, no one really knew too much about it at that point. Everyone was still kind of learning. So it was super fascinating in hindsight just because you're looking at news. During the middle of the game, UVA moved to all online classes. That's what they sort of announced they would do the rest of the semester. So then you're talking to the baseball players after the game, and they, like, barely got the news because wow. Coach O'Connor, like, pulled them in the locker room after – uh, they just won this this close game. Um, the, I think the day before, they scored like 20 runs in a blowout, and then the, that day was a, a close contest. They've obviously got the thousands of kids there. It was just such a unique and weird experience, and looking back on it yeah. now, it's, it's still really strange. So I think that, that one stands out as, as probably the most interesting, just because there was so much other news happening, but there was still like this own bubble of like all these kids right. having a great time watching baseball with, with everything else going on in the world.
0: Man, that's amazing insight. That uh, I don't know how I would handle that. It, to be able to uh, take back, take a step back, and kind of observe what it was you were watching, uh, I think speaks to your ability to see the moment. And that, because I don't know that I would have been focusing on that. <laughs> uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but in the moment, that wouldn't have been me. Uh, but not just journalism. You recently appeared on the lead in on CBS nineteen, a big news station there in Charlottesville. And I know you do uh, videos every now and then, but. The lead-in—that's a pretty, um, pretty well-known sports segment. So, what was that experience like uh, doing the CBS 19 lead-in?
1: Yeah, so that was that was a good one. It was um, a lot of fun. I think it's something that I really enjoy, just having a chance to talk with Preston. He's he's awesome, and nice guy, outside of sort of that that work realm as well. So it's uh, it's a cool experience. Anytime you can do anything that's that's maybe a little bit outside the print journalism, I enjoy it. It's just slightly different and fun you got a chance to talk football for four minutes you can't really complain Uh, so it's cool that that they're able to do that crossover too because I guess in a way you know everyone in the town is sort of competitive right you obviously want people in the town to to consume your content to read what you're doing or or watch whatever you're putting out Uh, so for them to sort of have that crossover is awesome just the opportunity to do that I know we do stuff with some of the other papers too they're also owned by the same company so we'll do uh, like picks with the Richmond Times Dispatch and in the Roanoke times and things like that. But yeah, I love it when you can talk to other people and sort of cross over, especially now with kind of our small sports department, where it's pretty much just me on the UVA beat. So anytime you can talk to other people about UVA sports, it's a huge plus.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, so I want to, I want to do something with you here. Uh, <laughs> one of the highlighted plays, I think of the entire football season so far would have been Tony Poljans toe tap and touchdown against Miami. Uh, I think it even made you got mossed if I'm not going to say. I know it made the top 10 in Sports Center at like number two. Um, so let's talk about three adjectives that could describe your appearance on the lead-in and also apply to Tony
1: Poljan's touchdown. I like that. That's a unique question. Uh, <laughs> first, I know we only got the one foot down, but I'll say professional, right? You go on, you've got like the professional lead-in experience. But Poljan for me is one of the guys on UVA's roster that I'm like, most excited about his NFL potential because sure. he started at the um, at quarterback at central Michigan, right. When he transferred, transferred over, uh, he had played, I think one season, I think it was last year at tight end, but they had had him at quarterback when he, when he committed, uh, he's just such an interesting athlete. And he's talked to, he's kind of admitted that like, yeah, like I'm still learning how to play tight end. Like my routes aren't that great. And sometimes I drop passes. And I've got these like areas to improve, but he still found the end zone a bench a bunch. I mean, he's 6'7", 265. Like, the dude's a... Like, healthy type stats, yes. Right. Like, he's the kind of guy who can also line up, and, and he can maul people as a blocker. So, I'm excited about his NFL potential. So, I'll say professional, just because I think he's he's kind of one of those sneaky, under-the-radar NFL guys. Um, and then I'll say exciting anytime he can go on TV. It Normally, if I'm here just writing in my room or whatever, uh, it's not quite the same as as uh, going on TV and, and kind of getting out of your comfort zone. So, definitely that. And uh, I'll add nerve-wracking in there. I think when when Poljan went up, if you're a UVA fan, I'm not sure you thought he was necessarily getting that foot down.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> that's and a I lot think, of uh,
1: that's a lot of vertical
0: to try and come down and keep that foot in.
1: It was impressive. I was surprised he was able to get it in. That was a really good catch. And then watching the replay as well, when he when he did get it down for sure, I was like, wow, that's a that's a special play. And I, yeah, I guess I'll say the first time you sort of go on the the lead in or whatever, there may maybe a little bit of nerves. Uh, it's it's not live or anything like that, but, you know, a little TV appearance can get you going, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we – big, big uh, part of your career has been covering UVA sports. That's kind of – that's how I know you. I learned something about you uh, preparing for this interview. You were the creator of JMU Sports News. And I know that can be found on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Um, tell us about how that came about and how people can follow along so any of my JMU fans out there can uh, can get more news from you.
1: Yeah, of course. So basically, I graduated from JMU in 2018. Um, and I wanted a, <laughs> wanted a job after college, understandably. Uh, but I didn't see a ton in terms of sports journalism, especially on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I took a job with, it changed names a few times, but it's business.com now. So we did, uh, we wrote about small business news and trends and things like that. And we would also review small business products. So it gave me kind of a writing fix and I was a business major at JMU. Uh, but at the same time, I would, I would uh, review like accounting software. And, uh, it's, it's not the most exciting. I wouldn't say it's glamorous when yeah. you're, going through, you're going through demos of 15 different accounting softwares and they're all basically the same, right? They've got the occasional change, but then you're writing about a thousand words, 1500 words on each of them. And it can it can kind of drag on. So uh, I created Jamie's. Right <laughs> yeah. I created JMU Sports News partially because I just wanted to write about sports again. Hmm. So it's basically just a blog about JMU sports. And I was already watching a ton of them because it was a, a pretty steady nine to five at business.com. So I pretty much had the time to to watch all these different sports. So I was keeping track of them. I was like, all right, I might as well write a little bit and do some stuff. So I made the Twitter account, which is just JMU Sports News. Uh, I haven't written on there in a little while. Uh, just just because actually JMU hasn't hasn't played in so so long. Right. You know, yeah UVA, UVA obviously came nice. back.
0: Playing full speed, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. JMU did not come back at the FCS level. I'll hopefully we'll get basketball here in the next three weeks or so. But uh, yeah, so I haven't written on it a lot. We're still doing some podcast stuff, I've got a Facebook page, things like that. It's all pretty much just JMU Sports News is is the handle for uh, Twitter. It's the same for Facebook, and you can hang JamieSportsNews.com is the website and the podcast is just the jamie sports news podcast but it's been fun to have a chance to talk about jmu a little bit and something that i think maybe helped me get the job a little bit at the daily progress just continuing to to write and cover sports while also having some of that that business background maybe gave me a little bit of a, a push at the end
0: great i appreciate you sharing that with us and uh one more you know as a jmu guy as a football guy I gotta ask you, how do you feel about the developments of Ben DiNucci and and how the Cowboys are <laughs> playing him today?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So he had that that first start, and Jamie Twitter was going crazy. And I've got a text thread with a couple of my buddies, and I was like, man, like we love this guy, but I just I don't know if they could throw him out there again. And then the the news came out this week that Dalton will be out. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah. within an hour or so, it was also told that they're going with a couple different options there instead of DiNucci, which I totally get seventh round pick. Uh, even early in his JMU career, he had some turnover troubles. He threw at least three or four balls in the the game against the Eagles that probably should have been intercepted, fumbled a couple times. Uh, he's someone that himself admitted like, I probably didn't expect to play this year with, with Dak and Dalton ahead of him. It, it was just so strange with the injuries that he was able to play. I think it makes sense for him to develop. If he can become a career backup practice squad kind of guy, I think that's that's good for him. But right now, the Cowboys are shockingly still sort of in that division so uh, I think they're trying to find any way they can win and I think they saw maybe not enough from Danucci. actually trust him the rest of the way.
0: Yeah absolutely well we'll get off the Cowboys and turn to some exciting sports so we'll go to talk about UVA um, so obviously fresh off of a much needed win um, against UNC last weekend 44-41 our Hoos did the best they could to Almost blow a 21-point lead, um, but you know, looking at the schedule ahead, you got Louisville this week in the bye week, and the Abilene Christian, and Florida State. You look at it and you say, okay, if if UVA could could take this win, we could potentially rattle off four straight and have a chance at going seven and you know seven and five, whatever the case may be, could save the season. So huge win there. Um, I like seeing the 51 rush attempts by Robert and I. Uh, establishing that line of scrimmage, committing to the run, um, and the way the defense was everywhere on that field. I think at one point Charles Snowden had three sacks in a row. I know he forced two fumbles. Um, what did you see, and what are your takeaways from that UNC game?
1: Yeah, I think kind of what you said, it, I mean, it's a huge win for Virginia, right, just to, to be able to pick that one up. Because if you're looking at one and five, that's kind of tough the rest of the way. But now you're, if you're a UVA fan, I think you can sell yourself pretty easily on the four straight wins. You look at Louisville, which has had some defensive issues, and then Virginia, even without the the fans for the most part, I think they're pretty pretty solid at Scott Stadium. Then you get a bye week. Then you get an FCS team that's a bad FCS team in Abilene Christian. And then you That's the
0: play in Stephen F. Austin, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 45 to 42. <laughs> yeah, There's they're something.
1: And then you've got um, – What is it, Florida State the week after, right? And I don't think they scare, they don't really scare anybody. So, and then it's Boston College and and Virginia Tech the rest of the way. So, if you can get it to right around that 500 mark and also beat Virginia Tech, I think that's sort of the ideal scenario if you're Virginia to finish with a winning record after starting one and four and and beat the Hokies would be kind of a, a heck of a turnaround there for Mendenhall and Company. So, huge to get the win. And then I kind of agree with you. I think they're they're rushing the ball well this year because they believe in the offensive line, which is is a huge sign for Virginia fans. A great sign. Brennan Armstrong, I think he's awesome. Like I think Brennan Armstrong's got something there. Only potential concern with him, if you're a Virginia fan, I think is just like injury issues because they've been running him pretty hard, and he uh, he's not really one to slide. I talked to his parents uh, before the season. And they had mentioned that they wish he would slide a little more. And I think Jason Beck, the quarterback's coach, would agree with that. But you look at Armstrong when he runs and he sees a defensive back. He's not looking to slide. He lowers the shoulder and tries to, to run over people. So
0: yeah.
1: um, that's maybe his only downside. And then you mentioned Snowden. He was great. I think the secondary, if they can get the secondary, the, the two safeties healthy again, that'd be pretty huge. Get those guys back. Brenton Nelson, Joey Blunt have been a little banged up. If you can have them – toward the end of the season especially you're looking at the Virginia Tech and Boston College has a decent passing attack that'd be that would be very valuable um, but but overall I think they're they're better than the 2 and 4 record says I think Louisville might be a little bit better than the 2 and 5 record says for them so it's it's a matchup this weekend you've got teams that are a combined 4 and 9 but I'm really excited for that game like I think they're both pretty good and I think Virginia's trending in a great direction
0: absolutely and it's you know important to note after that first Duke win there were if you take away a lot of the slow starts, the only, the only one I really would say would be Wake Forest. Uh, you know, we went into that game tied twenty twenty, and then didn't score again and gave up another 20. Um, but the NC State game, once we started rolling, we were putting up points. The offense was clicking. And a lot of people, you know, the fans always quick to overreact. And that's just kind of what we do in this instant now media world that we live in. But they lost a lot that they were trying to replace on offense last year. And 78% of it was wearing number three. So you can't really expect Brennan Armstrong to come in and have that same. I know we've got Talapapa back. And I know, you know, the whole Ronnie Walker situation, what would that have been if he was, you know, eligible. But we had to replace a lot. We've got new weapons on the outside. Um, Kemp is getting a lot more time. Uh, Lavelle Davis got hurt. He was a huge target for us, but he went out. Um, but like you said, yeah, Summing up football for us. if if we could get to 500 and get a win against Virginia Tech, um, that's a heck of a coaching job, by Bronco. And um, I think we just got a little spoiled last year. We got a taste <laughs> of having two sports that are successful at the same time. Um, and uh, and, and we, we did get spoiled last year and honestly really should have beat Florida too uh, down there in uh, South Florida. But we'll take a turn now. Uh, basketball season right around the corner will be less than 20 days now. Yeah.
1: yeah so, right around. Yeah.
0: Right there. Uh, so the biggest news as an ACC fan right now would be the release of the ACC big 10 challenge matchups and uh, UVA and our fan base getting what they want in that, that rematch with Michigan state. Uh, what do you see there and, and what are you looking forward to most
1: about that rematch? Yeah, that should be a, a fun one. I think you got the coaching battle, right? With Tony Bennett and Tom Izzo, which is just a great one. I think regardless of players, there are some programs you can just like trust to be pretty solid every year. Like they can go into the tournaments of seven C and you're still scared of them. I think Virginia's gotten to that level. I think Michigan State is at that level. You've also got the the Hauser brothers going at each other, which is yeah. probably the, the matchup I'm most excited for. It's just gonna be so much fun. It's it's a game you really, really wish was happening, not during a pandemic, because if you can get a full JPJ arena for that that would be absolutely electric. I know yeah. the players and the coaches, I don't know how much like revenge is on their mind, but I mean, you talk about that matchup and and fans are pretty quick to mention those NCAA tournament losses and sort of the sting of that and, and wanting right. to get back at Michigan state. So I'm just excited for the two programs that you can rely on to be great, pretty much going at each other. And then 10 days later, you've got the same kind of matchup, right. With, with Villanova and Virginia. So it's a, a pretty fascinating schedule even though they've released what four games so far but once we get the whole thing i'm pretty excited to see what they've got
0: that's it and i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a, a warning not not a warning a don't do this in the future to all my uva fans out there uh this game means more to us than it does for <laughs> a lot of the players you have to understand that the last time michigan state broke our hearts none of these players were on a division one roster okay so I don't. If if something goes wrong, I don't want to see people up on the on the chats and on Twitter saying, "Man, they just didn't play like they wanted it." It's not the same to them as it, <laughs> us as fans. They don't have that sting that Michigan State left. All right, so give them a break. I think Tony will have our guys ready, and uh, it's just going to be a great basketball game. And it's a shame someone has to lose, right? Um, But, you know, a lot of the news came out initially when they released all of the matchups for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. At first, it was kind of like, but then you start looking at it and there's actually some really intriguing matchups there. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my top five Mm matchups and then you give me your top five matchups. So for me, obviously, number one is a no brainer. UVA versus Michigan State. As a fan, that's what I want. Uh, I've got my second best matchup at UNC versus Iowa. Um, I think the big men, uh, Maycott and the other gentleman they have coming back, and his name is slipping my mind, going up against Lou Garza over there in Iowa. It's at Iowa, I believe. Always a rough environment to play in. Uh, I think that's going to be a really, really good game. Uh, Number three, um, I'm going to go Notre Dame, Ohio State. I think two programs that play very similarly. Um, and should have across-the-board talent at the same level as each other this year. Um, so that's going to be a good one. Um, a lot of people are sleeping on Illinois. When that Duke-Illinois Duke- matchup got listed, um, it was like Illinois. But Illinois was quietly the second-best team in the Big Ten last year and are, I believe, the consensus pick to win the conference this year. Um, and, I mean, they are returning a lot of their backcourt. They are not a team – Let's listen, ratings are a real thing. And ESPN would not have put Duke against Illinois if there wasn't a chance it was going to be (laughs) a game. For the same reason they typically play Michigan State. You don't expect them to go out and beat them by 40 like they did last year. That's not what you expect. Don't sleep on that Duke-Illinois game. That's going to be my number four. And then my number five, I'm going to tie this back to UVA, but the Louisville-Wisconsin game. I love watching – UVA and Wisconsin when they get matched up because defense is just a beautiful thing to watch when two people do it so beautifully. Okay. And and that's kind of where they're both at. And at the same time, you've got that zone of Louisville, but they like to run, they like to be up tempo, They're not necessarily defensive minded. So whenever Louisville plays UVA, it's always an interesting matchup. We have the opportunity or we have the blessing to have been on the better end of those games. Um, but I, I want to see Louisville-Wisconsin because I think it'll be a lot like a UVA-Louisville-type matchup. And I think that's, that's going to be a good one. So
1: you take it from there. What, what are you looking forward to in, that, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Those were – I mean, those are like mostly my five because the slate's not not crazy great. I think the, some of those kind of going off of that that I'm really excited for is my dad and brother both went to Wisconsin. So I've had a chance to watch a lot of Wisconsin basketball. I think they're going to have a solid team. I think Louisville and and Chris Mack, what they're doing, that's a program that I think is getting close to being a consistent year-in, year-out contender for the league. So that's one I'm really excited to see. Uh, I forget who Florida State has, but I like watching Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. Uh, So I don't have the matchup in front of me. But whoever they play, I love watching that team. I want to see if they can continue to sort of contend for the league title, especially this year where I think Virginia – is going to have such a solid system. They're going to play really good defense. But then they've also got an offense that I think is going to be pretty elite. Kihei Clark, Sam Hauser, Jay Huff. Like, Virginia is going to be able to score. So I think they're they're a team that if you're able to contend with them, that will be certainly impressive. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the Illinois-Duke game is one. that I, I sort of looked at it at first, too, not knowing a ton about Illinois. And I was like, huh, like that's a curious one. And then I started seeing people get really, really excited about that. And like you were saying, like, they put a lot of thought into these matchups, especially with the, the marquee programs, right? They're not going to give Duke a game that Duke wins by 35, like like that you would expect them to win by 35. Right. So that's that's what I'm really excited to see, because if the people who put this together believe that's like a marquee matchup, well, then I want to see it. So I'm excited to see how all of it goes, too. My My main thing this season with college basketball is – is how the like lack of fans might work. I know I think Louisville said they'd allow like 3,000, which is like 15%. Mm-hmm. Virginia, I'm guessing, would still be around 1,000 max just due to the state guidelines right now that have the same sort of thing with Scott Stadium. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm interested because it's such a game of momentum where if you're at home and you get on a little run and you've got the student section going, that really changes the, the complexion of games. But if you're a team like Virginia you're a team like Michigan State, where you're steady, you've got a really good coach and you don't have a crazy atmosphere. Like it's good. I feel like you're going to be able to go into road venues and just embrace it, play better basketball and come out of there and win. So I think Virginia, whenever it goes on the road in ACC games or whatever, depending on the the people that are allowed there, I think it'll be interesting to see because I think they've got a good chance to win and kind of why the ACC big 10 challenge might be more exciting, right? Michigan state can come into JPJ with it being, not quite JPJ, so I think Tom Izzo is going to like that a little bit for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Florida State is the privilege of hosting Indiana, um, and I don't think uh, the Hoosiers are looking forward to trying to deal with that size. <laughs> um, also important to note, um, due to the institution's school numbers, you, the ACC's got 15, the Big Ten's got 14. A school sits out on a rotational basis. That year, this is Wake Forest. Um, but I do believe I read somewhere someone was saying that they were ranking the matchups as well. And Wake Forest playing nobody was better than like the last. <laughs> but so let, let's switch and, uh, you know, talk about our who's um, got the, a good season coming up. A lot of hype around this season. I think um, for, with what Tony Bennett did with our squad last year, how he didn't get coach of the year, really no biased really shocks me the job he did with that team last year offensively inept getting the most out of Kihei I don't think Kihei can have a better season from a scoring standpoint than what he did last year um, he just rose to the occasion and performed because of that he's on the Koozie award watch list for best uh, best point guard in the country we got more news this week uh, or today actually Julius Irving uh, watch lists uh, small forward of the year Sam Hauser was nominated to that list this year. So a lot of, a lot of hype. Um, just generally, what, what do you think we're looking at as far as ACC contention and national championship contention?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they should be right there in both. I don't know if they'll be quite as good in terms of like Ken Palm and things like that defensively. Cause last year defensive, they are pretty solid. They've been solid defensively in the past, uh, but I think they'll probably be a top 20, maybe even top 10 uh, defensive team. For most of the season which is something I expect even with a tough schedule offensively though I think they have a chance to be one of the most efficient teams in the country and I think it's going to be such an incredible balance there I mean you look at what they have in the starting five or whatever they end up rolling with with Kihei and and Hauser and then Jay Huff they like what they have at of Cafaro Francisco Cafaro backing up Huff. Justin McCoy is a guy they've talked about just kind of non-stop during quarantine about his work ethic and what he's done sort of at that Small forward, power forward spot, wherever they want to put him. Uh, Casey Morsell is a guy I'm really interested to see because he's super talented. He's got a decent-looking jump shot, but he shot pretty poorly last season, really good defensively. If they can get him to shoot over 30% from three, I think that'd be massive. That'd be a huge step forward. Thomas the Tensei, love watching him, great shooter. I just think they're going to be so much fun to watch because they're going to have lineups where they might stick five guys on the floor obviously got Kihei who's under six feet, but then they've got a ton of length and everybody can shoot. And when you've got a team that can play defense the way a Tony Bennett team does with five guys who can shoot, you know, 35% plus from three on the court, I don't know how you beat that team unless you come out and bring your A game every game. So they should roll through a decent amount of teams. I think it's like last year, there were a few matchups when they would go into games and I think you worried a little bit like, all right, let's see if they can hang in there. Uh, At Purdue was one where early in the season they were kind of shell-shocked. They struggled offensively. I don't think there's going to be a game like that this season just because they're experienced. They're so good. I think you go into every single game this year if you're a UVA fan, and you might get a little ticked off if they don't win. Like, I mean, you're probably not expecting an undefeated season or anything, but you definitely expect them to go in every night and have a chance to win. And given Tony Bennett's, you know, pedigree and what they've accomplished under him, if I'm a Virginia fan, I'm cautiously optimistic maybe expecting an ACC title and then obviously who knows what happens once you get to the big dance, but I think they'll have a pretty good shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And important to note out here. Um, if you want to look at the state of the program and where we're at, just look at their, uh, look at their non-conference schedule this year. We know the Michigan state matchup we've got. We also agreed to play with Villanova. Our off season or our non-conference schedule is starting to look a lot like the Dukes, the Michigan States, the, you know, the teams that are always there. Um, we're in a good spot, UVA's in good hands coming. So, um, I, this you mentioned a lot of names, we've got a lot of freshmen as well. Um, Carson McCorkle coming in, Jabri uh, abdul Raim, uh, Reese Beekman, all freshmen. Uh, you got uh, Trey Murphy, the transfer, he's he's there. Um, NCAA's handing out eligibility exemptions like they're hotcakes today, so maybe he gets that and we don't have to worry about you know whether or not he's gonna be ineligible. Justin McCore, you mentioned, Casey Morsell, Walden Tensai. As far as a starting five, you've got to assume it's going to be Clark Huff-Hauser. That's got to be there. Um, we know Tony Bennett is not going to shy away from throwing us 18 different starting fives if he wants to. <laughs> but game one, tip off, who do you think is joining Clark Huff and Houser on the floor?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because I think of it a couple ways where they could go kind of small, where they could go Kihei, Clark, and then you do maybe a Morsell, Will the Tensai Hauser, Huff, uh, where you go guard heavy. I think they could also do it where they – and some of it depends on what they get out of the freshman, right? I think Abdur Rahim is good enough um, that, that maybe they put him in there and they have him with Hauser and Will the Tensai or Morsell. Uh, so they do that where they've got the one shooting guard going with Clark and you've got sort of the two wings and Huff. They could also do the the sell will the Tensai pick one of those two, pick your poison. And I don't know there what they'll end up doing. It kind of depends, I think a little bit on what Casey can do offensively. I think if he improved a little bit, maybe they give him the nod. Uh, I guess for the flip side though, if will the Tensai's D got a little bit better, you can roll with him. Mm-hmm. So it could be a, a Clark, let's say will the Tensai, Hauser, and then McCoy at the four, see what you get out of him, go a little bit bigger and then roll with Huff, obviously, at the five. So they've got a lot of options. I think it's kind of those those two. Do they want to go big? Do they want to go with McCoy, go a little bit larger? Or do they want to kind of roll with um, the, the heavy guard look, wing look? They've got some options there. Going to depend a little bit on, on the underclassmen and how they progress. But it's exciting to see. I think they might do a little bit, kind of as you're alluding to, where they go with the different options. Would not be surprised to see them have a starting lineup in that first game, change it up for Florida. Maybe it's a little bit altered for Michigan state and who knows if they're it up for Villanova. So I'm excited to see though, cause they've got the three guys that you can definitely rely on. And then I think they've got, you know, probably about four dudes that they could put in as other starters in those two other spots and feel pretty confident. It's just, it's a deep team. It's an athletic team. They shoot the ball. Well, they're in a position where they probably have more than five guys that deserve to start on a Power Five program, um, and they're going to have a couple of them coming off the bench. So it's a it's a heck of a problem to have if you're Tony Bennett.
0: Yeah, we're not going to be struggling for a lack of depth for sure. And um, I think you hit something on the head. You said, uh, you know, a five guard look. We're going to be able to throw out any look we want and compete with whatever matchup we have. Um, it's just going to be a matter of who executes their game plan the best night in, night out. Like you said, it's, it's that talented of a team. Um, but, you know, we do have, you know, Jay Nixon's on the team, Cody Statman's on the team, Francisco Cafaro's on the team, and we've got those three freshmen, Carson McCorkle, Abdurrahim, and Reese Beekman. If, if, if someone has to get redshirted, do you see any of those three? And if so, which one?
1: My guess would be Carson McCorkle. He would be the one that that stands out to me. Uh, I think the other two, you look at what Beekman can do as a backup to Clark. They were big on Clark last year. He would play close to 40 minutes a game. Um, And they just say that he's pretty much the Energizer bunny and can do whatever he does. But I think Beekman backing him up and giving him at least a few possessions, even if he doesn't want to come out, just to rest him a little bit, keep him fresh the rest of the way, makes sense to me. I think Abdul Raheem is a the guy they've talked about as he can score at pretty much every level. Even as a freshman, he can get to the rim. He's got a mid-range game, can shoot the three. So I think he kind of fits in nicely. Can also sub out for Hauser a little bit. McCorkle's got a little bit of a tougher spot because he's kind of at that wing where they've got some depth, but then also at shooting guard you have all the Tensai and Morcell, and even Statman really can can kind of sub in there as a shooting guard. There's just so much depth there that I don't know if he'll necessarily break in. Immediately. What I will say is he's got a very smooth jump shot from three. So he's someone to keep an eye on because he can really stroke it. But if they do redshirt him, wouldn't necessarily shock me. I know they've talked about uh Murphy as well redshirting him, even if he has eligibility. They just sort of like what he wants to build his body and things like that. They've just got so much depth they can be really creative with some of those guys. And McCorkle's another one who could probably add a little weight as he keeps going. It's going to be interesting because I think they'll they'll at least play two of those freshmen. Um, they might even get all three. Maybe they don't redshirt McCorkle. We'll see. But they're just so deep, especially at guard, which I think last year was kind of a concern. They'd roll Kihei Clark and, and go the whole way. And now you've got, you know, what, six options at guard that they like? So it's crazy.
0: And I think that also uh, bodes more towards McCorkle getting that redshirt. You know, that is his position. And he's not going to have the height that the others do. So I think him and Murphy probably get the shirts. Um, and develop because next year, be Hay Clark senior year, we're going to need an experienced game-seasoned backcourt. And I think Murphy and McCorkle are the future there. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah, nail on the head there, McCorkle would probably get the red shirt for me too. I know you got to get out of here. Um, and so I'm just going to play one little game with you here. Uh, I don't know if you're a gambling man, um, but I, I watch the lines. So <laughs> if I said over under 19 and a half, for the UVA men's basketball team wins this year going into the AC, going into the ACC tournament? Okay, if I said overall, not ACC record, just overall going in the tournament, over under 19 and a half, what would you take?
1: That's good, that's a good question. So you got the maximum 27 games. I think they'll probably, uh, the ACC I would guess, they wanna push that as close to the maximum as you can. So I think for me, they've obviously got some some really tough games. The conference is gonna be very hard. You've got the Michigan State, the Villanova, and the Florida game. For me, though, assuming they get right up there and they push it up to that, that max 27, I would probably not feel comfortable taking the under. Like, I, I would just feel if I'm a better and I bet on that game and I bet on the, the over prop total or whatever, it's hard for me to bet against Tony Bennett and his team, and I think I'd probably be become slowly infuriated throughout the season as they pick up, like, these defensive-minded wins. So I would say right around over just because I think they're going to have a chance to win every game. Some of the ACC games, I think they're going to demolish teams because they are that good offensively. I think this is a team that compares kind of similarly to the recent teams that got one seeds. So I think, you know, projecting them to win or lose, you know, a handful of games, I don't know that they will. I think they might keep it under a handful with like that three, four losses. So I would say I would lean toward the over, but I think that's a, that's a pretty good spot there at 19 and a half.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, well, Bennett Conlin with The Daily Progress. Look him up on all the social media platforms. Follow him. Go to their website. Read his articles. UVA coverage, uh, top notch there. Bennett, we appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the Sports with BJ podcast. Um, and Before I let everyone go, I always want to let, give them a chance to talk and see if there's anything, uh, any causes or anything that you've got going and want to bring awareness to.
1: Not too much at this point, but I guess with the holidays coming up, if there's anything that you can do, anyone out there that has you know, money to give, I think it's always a good time to sort of look out for others at this time who are, who are less fortunate. So I, I know there are plenty of causes in Charlottesville. Um, so just look around. And if you don't live in Charlottesville, look around your community. It's certainly a time where I like to sort of, I guess we'll see how COVID affects things, but if you can go to a soup kitchen and help out around Thanksgiving or things like that, it's, it's something to at least consider. So I, I would put that out there for everybody.
0: All right. That's good stuff right there. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the episode of Sports with BJ. Again, special thanks from the show for uh, Ben and Colin for coming on and spending this time with us. And then we'll see y'all next time.